Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, to proclaim God's excellencies. That is the good news of the gospel of free forgiveness in Jesus. And you are a light unto the world. Happy birthday, St. Lawrence. You're pretty old. It's a pleasure to be here, especially to contemplate that just out of a handful of people who were prepared to make this journey to the United States already 175 years ago in the parsonage of Wilhelm Lea in Bavaria is amazing. The Bernthals, the Lesels, who had worked as servants in Lea's own house. The others who came along, Pastor Kramer, a fantastic intellect, the Iron Man of Franconia, he's called in Missouri Synod history. And from that small group, then came Frankentrost and Frankenhilf, specially designed to help young couples who wanted to get a piece of land and a start in America. It started out Indian Mission, and then it went to picking up these lost Germans who were all wandering over the wilderness in the U.S., apart from God, apart from Christ, apart from church. The Missouri Synod is just behind you. We'll celebrate 175 years in two years. And you were there at the beginning. One of the handful of congregations who started the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And just as you went from about a handful, a dozen people, to 5,000, so the Missouri Synod went from 12 or 13 congregations to, to 6,100 congregations. Do you realize there's a congregation in the Missouri Center for every single member of Frankenmuth plus a couple of hundred across the United States? Do you realize if I were to preach every Sunday in a Missouri Center church, 52 Sundays a year, which I do, no I don't, especially this year, if I were to preach in 52 churches every year, it would take me 125 years to get through all the congregations of the Missouri Synod. Now we may have problems and challenges, and we certainly do like we've always had. But the Lord has blessed us, hasn't he? I would say amen. amen. A louder one. Amen. Very good. Truth. So I was thinking about this sermon up here, and I thought on this auspicious occasion, I wanted to take a phrase, an old Franconian, Bayerische, German phrase that was used by Wilhelm Leo when times were difficult, and then used by your first pastor Kramer when things got dark, that I found it, Geh zu Ruck und Rücke, Geh zu Ruck und Rücke, back up and push, that's what an anniversary is about. Well, i got to be honest, the, the phrase really isn't Franconian. In fact, it's not Bavarian either. It's not really even German, I guess. i got to be honest, Leia never said it. And uh, neither did Kramer. 
Actually comes from a bluegrass song by Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, uh, Back Up and Push. And, uh, but I thought, it's a perfect one, isn't it? That's what you do in anniversaries. You look back, and then you push forward. Exactly. And the point of my sermon today is this. I want every single person here, every child, every young adult, every oldster, I want everyone here to know with absolute certainty that you are going to heaven and face nothing in the future but an eternal life and a resurrection of the body through faith in Jesus Christ. Every single one of you. And that's so convicted by the Word of God, you joyfully recognize the fact that you are a city on a hill, a light to the nations. And you, every one of you, are qualified, are authorized, are mandated to share the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You see, assurance was the reason this whole community exists. Do you realize that? 200 years ago, there was a lack of assurance in large swaths of German Lutheranism. People had ceased 200 years ago, ceased teaching that the Jesus of the Bible was true. They didn't believe in the miracles. They didn't believe Jesus was actually God and man together. Many didn't believe, and they were teaching this in the universities, the seminaries. Many did not believe that Jesus was the sacrificial death for the sins of the world. And what happens when you don't believe that? Other stuff takes over for religion. And there are several different possibilities. There's the religion of the mind, the intellect, developing reason, philosophy, being so smart that you've got all things figured out. And a lot went that way, including Wilhelm Lea as a young man. Then there's the religion of the will. To will to be moral. To get the will under control, to live a moral life, to earn God's favor through morality. Then there's another option. To try to gain God's favor through the Spirit. Through emotions. Through having some kind of emotional experience to prove to you that you have the feelings which confirm that you have God's favor. It's all the same. Never been anything different in the history of man. Except the Gospel. And it happened that there was a revival of genuine Lutheranism, a revival of study of the Bible, and it happened for several reasons. But one was the crazy Prussian king decided he would turn the largest Lutheran church in the world, 7,000 Lutheran congregations, into a union church. That is, he would combine it with about two dozen reformed churches, which he preferred, so he would have one united church in Prussia to achieve his goals. And that meant 
You can teach Luther's teaching on the Lord's Supper or John Calvin's, whether it's true body and blood or symbolic or whether you really trust in the sacraments and the word or some eternal decree for uh, salvation or damnation. That's all up to you. But nobody was to assert the strength of the traditional Lutheran biblical doctrine. And you know what happened? When he forced this upon he forced this upon the church at an anniversary, 1817, anniversary of the Reformation. There was a backlash. And people started to say, this does not accord with the Bible. This does not accord with Luther's small catechism. I know the catechism. I know the Bible. And men like Wilhelm Löhr and Friedrich August Kramer and C.F.W. Walter, founder of the Missouri Synod, and many others went into an experience where they began to read the Bible, and you know what? They started to believe it again. They actually believed what the Bible taught was true. They came to recognize themselves as sinners and believed in the word of Jesus. However, they were still wandering in the dark, many of them. They did not come to certainty about their salvation. Every one of them writes about it. Wilhelm Leah, over time, was converted to assurance and surety in Christ. Many of them believed in this religion of feelings. And the pietists came along and said, you must have certain specific steps to know that you're saved. Then you must have certain experiences, exactly one, two, three, to know that you're saved. Then you must feel this certain way in your heart and be released from all sins to know that you're saved. But you know what? The more they read the Bible, the more they recognized the law, they recognized that they were sinful wretches. And they cried out, we have no assurance. And then... The light of the gospel broke in on them from the catechism. And every one of them went through this progression from the Bible to the catechism to the Lutheran writings to Martin Luther's writings. And they identified with Luther. You know why? Because Luther was not sure about his salvation either. You remember? He posts his 95 theses. He's still not sure. But the whole system at that time was geared to help a person be holier day by day, to earn points, to get to heaven finally, so that you'd spend less time in purgatory and maybe get to heaven if you were fortunate after several hundred thousand years of suffering off temporal sins. Going to church was about getting points. It was about having masses celebrate for the dead to give them points. It was all what man does for God. Luther turned it all on its head because of the Bible. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Not my activities. Not my doing. Not my emotions. Not my thoughts. Not my intellect. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all our sins. And this, this gift comes... By grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no boasting before God of your status. It's all his doing. Luther said when he realized this, he felt as though the gates of heaven had been swung wide open. And he had absolute certainty that he was a Christian and eternal life was his. Why? Because it didn't depend on him. 
It depended on one thing. Jesus. Say what? Amen, amen. So, but you gave the better answer. And this burned in Wilhelm Leia's life and the others. And they realized this message needed to be shared with the world. And that's why you exist, my friends. That's amazing. You know, there, there are, I suppose, many cities throughout the world who exist because somebody wanted to send the gospel to a place. But very few of them continue to exist with the same gospel in that place. Aren't you blessed? Aren't we all blessed? The Catechism. Ten Commandments. Du sollst nicht. Thou shalt not. We should fear and love and trust in God above all things. The law is given to drive us to Christ. The law is like the scorching sun that if I preach too long, every one of you here will slowly get up and walk up to those trees in the shade. The law drives us to Jesus. And therefore it must be preached not in half measures, but in full measures. You are all sinners and so am I. And the law condemns every one of us. Your thoughts are not what they should be. Your actions are not what they should be. Your lips don't say what they should say. The same lips which receive the blood of Christ at the altar. Go and say something about somebody else. You have controversies in your family, in your church, in your community. And you do not help them out many times because you are hard-hearted. You fail to forgive. There are people right now whom you hate. Jesus says, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. No one is righteous, no, not one. You know, when somebody says, I'm not going to go to St. Lawrence, or a bunch of hypocrites over there, just say this. Yeah, I know, and there's always room for one more. <laughs> we are all sinners. It's all about Jesus. And you could be absolutely 100% certain. You know why? The creed comes along right away. Ten Commandments, then the creed. God creates everything. Made many of us Franconians or other things. North Germans and a whole bunch of other things in my case. Thank God for those first article gifts. How glorious. Second article. Not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Jesus, with his own precious blood and suffering and death, redeemed you, bought you back from the curse of the Ten Commandments. What happened uh, 2,000 years ago, 8,000 miles away, is delivered today in the proclamation of the word. I tell you, Jesus lived for you. He, he was born for you. He uh, performed his miracles for you. He was baptized for you. He instituted the supper for you. He s said all those consoling things for people, for you and for your problems and for your challenges. Jesus suffered uh, under Pontius Pilate for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died your death for sin. He went to hell for you. He went to the grave for you. He rose again on the third day for you. And it's all yours. And you say, Amen. Amen. Yay, yay, it shall be so in the catechism. 
there is absolute certainty. Why? Because it doesn't depend on anything in me. It depends upon Jesus. And Jesus is only for sinners, so you better be one. Lord's Prayer. You could pray with absolute certainty. Why? God says, Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, he tenderly and kindly invites you as dear children. He hears your prayer. Jesus himself says, when you pray, pray this way. And he says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I am among you. He says, I hear you. I will answer your prayer. He doesn't answer it as you wish all the time, but he's there and he's answering your prayer. Be sure of it. It's absolutely certain and sure. And you say, yea, yea, it shall be so. Say it. Yea, Baptism. You were therefore buried with Christ by baptism into death. Baptism connects you with Jesus. And you get all the Jesus good stuff. Luther said it's like a marriage. Jesus gets all your bad stuff, all your sin. And you get all Jesus good stuff. Isn't that wonderful? Paul says when you're baptized, you're clothed with Christ. So when God the Father looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. The New Testament is full of references to this. St. Paul says over and again, you are baptized into Christ's death. Baptized into his death that you might share in his resurrection. Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, and crazy as it sounds, every one of us shall do the same. Yea, yea, it shall be so. Confession and absolution. Jesus has given us this for absolute certainty. He says in John 20, he breathed on them and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye forgive, they are forgiven unto them. What do I believe according to these words? When the called minister of Christ deals with us by his divine command, this is as valid and certain in heaven, in, in heaven also as it is here on earth. Sorry, I, like you, have gone through three versions of the Catechism, too. Should have just kept the German one, for Pete's sake. It is absolutely certain. Why does Christ give us so many ways to be certain? Because we need it. You are forgiven. At the beginning of this service, when the words were spoken, you were forgiven. Doesn't, mean, doesn't matter what you were feeling in your gut how warm and fuzzy you were feeling toward God or the pastor. Doesn't matter what your sins have been this last week. It's for sinners. And you are one and you are a forgiven sinner, a saint. It's yours and it's absolutely certain. And you know what also? The power of the keys belongs to each and every priest. Martin Luther taught this. The Bible teaches it. Our church teaches it. When you take this gospel and you speak it in your family, to your friends and neighbors, that is the powerful, forgiving word of God. And if there's one thing we German uh, Americans often fall short in, it's actually speaking forgiveness to others. How many times in our family something happens? Ah, forget it. Don't let your parents say that to you, kids. Make them forgive you. Don't accept it. 
You forgive me. Yes, you punished me. I might need that, but you forgive me. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to speak the gospel among each other. How many places in your families is the gospel needed? How many hurting people are there? How many people are you holding grudges against? How about those black sheep in the family? Well, I'll forgive that person when they come up to me and grovel at my feet. That's not the Bible, folks. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if you can't forgive that person for some reason, maybe the person's dead, speak that forgiveness in your prayers. Why are you letting this, why are you letting this knot, this weight, weigh you down? You are free. He came that you, you should know the truth and the truth make you free. And you can say, Yea, yea, it shall be so. Say it. Yea, it shall be so. That's what the Catechism says, folks. And finally, the Lord's Supper. The body and blood of Christ given and shed for you for... A little louder, please. The forgiveness of sin. When you receive the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, you have yet another way to be absolutely 100% certain that eternal life is yours. You receive the very sacrifice for your sins in a miraculous way, somehow the very body and blood, in a way we don't know how. But we receive it for the forgiveness of our sins, for absolute certainty. My friends, you can be certain because Christ is for you. All this has been done for you. Those dozen or so people who came over here in April 1845 knew all of this intensely. They had been studying Leah's liturgical agenda. They had been studying the most important hymns which taught all this. They had been preparing in every way to bring this message to whoever they met here. It's why they came, exactly why they came. They were certain of this gospel. And you, my friends, have this gospel here in this place. There are thousands in this place today who don't know Jesus. There are thousands in this place who are not certain of eternal life. And I dare say many of them probably members of this very congregation. There are thousands of diverse people that come to this city because of the blessings of tourism. I saw them with my own eyes yesterday. Great diversity. And there's your opportunity. There's your chance. Proclaim His Excellencies, the one who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I just want to share one short thing with the rest uh, at the end of the sermon. You know, Luther wrote one time, that the gospel passes away from a people and a place for thanklessness. For thanklessness. He said the gospel goes like a passing rain shower, a fahrende Platzregen, he called it. It comes and waters a place maybe a hundred years, and then it goes away. And it passes because people become complacent, 
and thankless. The marvel of Frankenmuth, I think, is that it's lasted so long here because the Lord has wrought a special, thankful heart among you, its people, and your ancestors all these years. It's His doing. And that's why it's so important for us today to go back to give thanks and push on. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yay. One more. Yay.